We read from the verse 5 because it leads us into the passage, gives us the context. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Amen. May God bless his word to our hearts. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. We pray you would write it upon our souls, that we would hear you speaking to us. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Last time we thought about overcomers, and the verse 5 asks the question, who is he that overcometh the world? Who is the person that, that overcomes? Who is the Christian that is an overcomer in this world? And then the answer is, he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So it is through our faith in Christ that we live a victorious Christian life. And this ties in with the meditation already from Romans chapter 7. Who should deliver me, Paul said, from the body of this death? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Only through Christ we can have victory. Only through Christ we can have spiritually prosperous Christian lives. And spiritually prosperous Christian lives are lives that yield the fruit of the Spirit that Paul talked about in the book of Galatians. Peace, joy, long-suffering, love, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those things that make up the fruit of the Spirit. Those qualities that should adorn the profession of every child of God. And how can we have that fruit evident? It is through our faith in Christ alone. It is through a growing faith in the Son of God. And this immediately poses the question... How can we be sure that our faith is real? How can we be sure that our faith is genuine? How can we be certain that we're not following a myth or a legend or some kind of empty philosophy? How can we be cast iron sure of our faith? Because we know that doubts arise. How can we overcome those doubts? How can we be certain? The answer is found in the witnesses. The witnesses to the reliability of faith. You see, Christianity isn't a mere religion. Christianity is not a mere philosophy. It's not an idea. Christianity is an evidence-based faith. 
And there is evidence that backs up our faith. And this evidence is found in the witnesses. We know that the word of a witness is very powerful. It's very strong. And when there's more than one witness to an event, that account becomes even stronger. And where there are more than one witness to an event, well, that stands up to scrutiny in the court of law and will be taken most seriously. And here we are told that there are witnesses to the reliability of faith. And so Paul and so John, he proceeds now to show us how we can be sure that our faith is genuine. And this in itself encourages us and it helps us to live this overcoming life in the world. Verse 9 really is a, a central text here. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he had testified of his son. God's witness. God's testimony. That's what we're going to think about today. Witnessing to the reliability of faith. Let's think of the unity of the witness, first of all. And whenever we come to the verses 6 through to 8, we are struck here with the idea that there is more than one witness and that these witnesses speak with one voice. This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. So there are the witnesses in heaven spoken of here, and there are the witnesses on earth. So let's just think about the witnesses on earth, first of all, because we have the witnesses on earth in the verses 6 and 8. And who are the witnesses on earth? Well, there is the Spirit that beareth witness, the end of verse 6. The Spirit is truth. But there is also the water and the blood. Jesus is recorded as coming not by water only, but by water and blood. And then we come to verse 8. He says, And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. So how do we understand these witnesses? This is actually quite a difficult portion of Scripture. And there are various ideas as to what all of this means. So I'm hoping with God's help to make this simple and clear, understandable, and I trust a blessing because God's Word at all times is there for edification and for help that we might be a blessing. So let's think about the witness of the Spirit first of all. The Spirit that beareth witness because the Spirit is truth. This, of course, is the, the Holy Ghost. God witnesses to His people through the Spirit. The Holy Ghost is invisible. We know that. We cannot see the Holy Ghost. We cannot feel the Holy Ghost with our, our natural senses. Yes, we can feel Him with a spiritual sensitivity, but not with our natural senses. So we can't 
see him. We, we can't touch him. We can't hear his audible voice. But yet, he is most powerful, and he is the most powerful force on earth. He beareth witness in the world on earth. He's the most powerful and dynamic force that exists in the world. It was the Lord speaking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that really teaches us this, I think, in the clearest way that we read of anywhere in the, the New Testament. Because Nicodemus was struggling to understand how a man could be born when he is old. He was struggling to understand spiritual things. He was thinking in a carnal way all the time, thinking in a fleshly way, thinking in a materialistic way. And Christ said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. You hear the sound. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes to. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And the wind is most mysterious. And where does the wind come from? How does the wind arise? How does a gentle breeze become a mighty hurricane? How is it that out in the sea, the waves sometimes can be so smooth, just like a lagoon? So smooth and with no wind that the old sailing ships, they were cast adrift, waiting for the wind to come so that they could go to where they wanted to go. And yet at other times, there's mighty hurricanes, dangerous storms. Where does all that come from? Where does all that go to? How does the wind blow out? How does it start? You know, there's so many mysterious things about the wind, but yet no one could deny that the wind is not real. You see the upended tree, you know what's real. You see the devastation caused by a hurricane, you know what's real. And when people who live in the path of hurricanes hear that news and get that warning, they have to shutter up their windows. Sometimes they have to evacuate because when the storm hits, it's fearful. You can hear the sound of the roaring and you can see the effects. And that's really how you know the wind is real. You see the effects of it all. And we see the effects of God's Spirit. One cannot deny the impact that God's Spirit has made on lives. You see lives that are transformed Drunkards have been turned from their drink. Drug addicts reform. It makes a difference. Christianity makes a difference. If Christianity doesn't make a difference to lives, then it's not real Christianity. God's Spirit changes men and women, brings men and women from a place of no hope to a place of hope. Christianity takes a sinner out of the dunghill of sin, makes him a saint of God. No one ever regrets becoming a Christian. Christians face terrible things, tough things, Things that are so hard to bear, and yet faith becomes stronger in the midst of that crucible of affliction. Just like Job, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because that's the Spirit's work within. The Holy Ghost has changed the whole course of history. History is dominated by Christ. Before Christ, after Christ. B.C. A.D. We have it there in the calendar. And there was a man called Jesus. And at the very center of that is the cross of Jesus Christ. The undeniable fact. That is the work of the Spirit. And so the Spirit beareth witness. How do we understand the water and the blood then? Because they also bear witness on earth. 
the interpretation that I would follow with this is the one that, to me, makes the most sense. Because John wrote this. The same John that wrote the gospel. And John recorded something about the death of our Savior that none of the other evangelists recorded. And what was it? In John chapter 19, verse 34 and 35, John said this, But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced Jesus' side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true that ye might believe. And this sight that John saw, and we have to believe that John was here at the cross. He was at the cross. He was with Mary, the, the mother of the Lord. He, he didn't go to the, the tomb when the Lord was being buried. But he was at the cross. The Lord addressed him at the cross. And he saw this. He saw the soldier coming and plunging the spear into the side. And out came blood and water. But he went on to say something else. This record is true. And this record was given that you might believe. This very precise detail of the death of Christ was given that you might believe. And surely that immediately ties in with 1 John chapter 5 where the blood and the water, they bear witness to the fact of Jesus Christ and his death. That's the point his death, and also his resurrection, because John would at a later time see the risen Savior, the one whose side was pierced, the blood and the water flowing out. I've read medical accounts that would indicate that that would show that his whole inner being had broken down. He had suffered from enormous heart failure because of the loss of blood, the heart looking for blood that wasn't there, and there was such a buildup of fluid. The, the suffering of crucifixion is something that humans have never contrived before in their sense. What the Romans did to their victims. This was the very form of suffering that was chosen. So the means whereby Christ would bear away our sins. A fearful thing. He certainly died. But then he lived again after all of this. Bearing witness to his death. Bearing witness to the resurrection. You see, at the heart of the reliability of our faith is this very thing. That there was a man called Jesus who lived, who died, who rose again, our Redeemer. He came by water and blood. He became a real man. We know that we need blood to live. We know we also need water because our bodies are mostly made up of fluid. He came by water and blood. He who made the heavens and the earth became man for us. We have the reliability of all of this. We see it in his death. And then he triumphed over death, the grave, and he lives forever. Oh, we could go on to talk about what the water and blood represent because they represent that which is very precious. The water represents the word of God. Water is used for washing. Christ died on the cross that God's Word and the power of God's Word would sanctify us, would 
wash away the pollutants of sin, that we would yield ourselves to the Word of God, that we would learn how to live for Him in this world. The power for that flows from the cross of Christ. And there is the blood. We are justified through His blood. The blood of Christ blots out every sin. And every Christian knows the reality of the purifying, the continual purifying, our need of the water of the Word, our need of the precious blood, without which we could not be in the presence of God. We know this continually. We rely upon this. These three bear witness. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. These three agree in one. And it was something else here. Regarding the unity of this witness, we have the witnesses in heaven. For verse 7 says, there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three agree in one. Do you see how this verse breaks the passage? Verse 6 ties in with verse 8, but verse 7 breaks the sequence here. And there is a name for verse 7. Theologians have a name for this verse. Um, It's called the Johannine Comma. I'm not going to get into a whole exposition or explanation about the Johannine Comma today. Safe to say this is a portion of God's Word that many people have debated and discussed for centuries and perhaps will never fully get to the bottom of. And if you want to learn more about the Johannine Comma, well, we can have a chat about it. You can talk to me about it. Or we can do that another time, maybe in, in Bible study. But... I I just want to focus on on what we read here because there is no doubt about it, but verse 7 articulates something that is biblical truth because the Father, the Word, and by the Word we mean Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, they bear record in heaven. They witness to what? They witness to our salvation. And... The Word of God teaches us, you see, that God the Father bears witness to our salvation in that He chose a people, He predestinated a people from before the foundation of the world that we would be His. And He sent forth His Son that He might be our Savior. And Christ bears witness in heaven. Even now, He's praying for us. And there He is, bearing the wounds on His hands and feet, and He's praying for us before the throne of God and of the Lamb. And there is the Holy Ghost that constantly bears witness. Not only is he on earth bearing witness, but he's bearing witness in heaven as well. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. You see, the three persons of the Godhead are involved and at work in accomplishing salvation for us. That's how we understand the world. That's how we understand history. God bringing his people to glory. The unity. Let's also think about the authority of the witness. Verse 9 simply says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. As I have said, witness accounts amongst men are credible. There's more than one witness. And the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses something shall be established. But what God bears witness to is greater. Because earthly witnesses can get it wrong. They can remember things not quite accurate. And they can put a slant on things that are not quite genuine. And they can lead a listener in another direction. We always have to be alive to that. 
where the witness of men is concerned. But the witness of God is greater because the witness of God is always infallible. And this book is God's testimony to his Son. Because not only do we have an eyewitness account, but we have a written account. We have a written statement. A written statement stamped upon with the authority of God himself. Because we are told concerning the Scripture that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is the very breath of God himself. And therefore we can rely upon the Word of God. I'm very interested in this film about John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe was given by God himself a vision of the Scriptures. He wanted the English reader to have the Word of God in his own tongue. He wanted the English reader to be able to read the Word of God. He said the New Testament is is of full authority and open to understanding of simple men as to the points that are most needful to salvation. The Word of God is the authority. The point is the way to salvation. And then he said something. The truth shall prevail. And so it was. The truth did and will prevail. There have been many discoveries which verify what the Bible says. There has never been a discovery that undermines what the Bible says. The Bible is open to scrutiny. It can never be undermined or undiminished or undiluted. That's why it has survived the ravages of time. That's why it has survived the the critics. Because God's word is true. Thy word is truth. One third and final observation. We have the voice of the witness. We come to verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. So if we have faith in Christ, we have the witness within ourselves. The voice of the witness coming to the heart. You see, there are people who read the Word of God, and there are people who know the Word of God, and there are people who attend evangelical churches, and they they, they could teach you the Word of God but they don't have the witness in their heart. They might have it in their head, but not in their heart. Dear friend today, if you don't have the witness of God in your heart, your soul is lost. Every bit is lost as the pagan who has never heard of Jesus because it has never changed your life. It is so important that you have the witness within your heart. And that's what it is to be born again. That's what it is to yield yourself to the word of truth. And therefore, we have this statement in verse 12, the very end of this little passage. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And this is where it all leads us to. If these witnesses are real, and if these witnesses are genuine, and if God's word is what it says it is, the very word of God, if Jesus Christ is the the man who came into the world as the Bible says he came, born of a virgin, living that perfect life, accomplishing those miracles, dying on the cross, shedding his blood, rising again in glory today, having ascended to the right hand of God. If he is truly coming to the world at the last day, if he truly said to Nicodemus words that are still as relevant for us as they were thousands of years ago, you must be born again. If this is true, then he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 
I wonder how do you stand today? Have you yielded yourself to this authority? Have you this voice in your heart? Are you born again? Or are you living as if this is somehow irrelevant? It's never irrelevant. No word is more relevant. No news was more relevant than the world past and the world to come and the world present in this word. He that the Son hath life. He that not the Son of God hath not life. Here we have mankind separated. Some have life, some have not life. Some have Christ, some have not Christ. On what side of that divide are you? In the day of judgment, that's how God is going to divide the world, not in terms of what language people speak or what skin color they have or, 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 or what social class they come from. Those that have Christ on one side, those that have not Christ on the other. Those that are saved on one side, those not saved on the other. Where do you stand? Yield yourself to the authority. If these witnesses are credible, there's only one thing for you to do. And that is to put your faith in Christ alone. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Write its truth upon every heart. It's prevailing truth upon every heart. For Christ's sake.